0: On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. It's 5 past 11 on Sky Sports Radio and a segment we've got on Monday called Monday's Experts, an opportunity to hear the story behind a name. It's one of my favourite segments of the week because... We usually have trainers, owners, jockeys on talking about their chances for the week, talking about various races, but we don't really know any of the story behind the name. And I, I think one gentleman with a great story, and it was great to see him have success at another New South Wales Country Cup on Friday there at Yeah, uh, of course, uh, winning with Commando Hunt, was part owner of that horse, Max Whitby, in those famous Whitby colours. And I thought, what an opportunity to get Max on to talk about his life, not only in racing, but his life away from racing, because he's got one hell of a story. So don't go anywhere over the next 30 to 40 minutes. Max Whitby, welcome to Monday's Experts. How are you, mate?
1: Good. Very good, Dave. You won't get 30 minutes out of me,
0: mate. <laughs> I reckon we could, <laughs> because I tell you what... Just from reading bits and pieces about you, about your your story before racing, uh, it's quite extraordinary, mate. Tell us a little bit about um, about growing up, uh, your your memories of growing up, and and where you grew up, and I guess uh, how this all this all started. We'll get to the racing in a moment, but um, were you always in around that Potts Point area?
1: Oh, no, shit, no 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 no. I uh, born in Bangalore, Byron Bay, Northern Rivers. Come through a uh, sort of a busted family scenario, and. Uh, had a few foster homes in Sydney, and uh, wasn't much good at school. Hit the road very early, fourteen and a half. Ended up hitchhiking best part of Australia. Couldn't get work because I was too young to work in the mines. Went up north, etc. Uh, found my way to Willow Tree, Corindai and uh, Jackarooed out there for the three years, working the Santa Intruders cattle stud. So. I had a little bit of country in me and uh, it wasn't hard to just get a labourer's job out there. And uh, that gave me a great opportunity to uh, think about where I was going, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the story started from there. I came, uh, brought some cattle down to Royal Easter Show in 68 and never went back. Um, And I started washing dishes in the cross and that's how my life uh, took the right turn. Yeah on reflection I met a very influential guy who obviously had no real male influences in my life and uh, I wouldn't say it was a happy childhood etc but that's another story and uh, that's what was happening in the kids of the the 50s etc and uh, labouring the point Uh, this guy took me under his wing and uh, kicked me from uh, Z grade to ultimately A grade and I ended up owning the empire or managing the empire's estate when he's passing and It just went on from there. uh, Opportunities came. I've met clients in that business that uh, introduced me to the uh, futures markets. And uh, I got into finance in the late 70s. But we always kept an eye eye on the life in the cross. I'd fly back from Sydney regularly. So I've never been away from the cross um, until now. And I officially moved on in November last year and living the dream on the Gold Coast.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, Max. Well, that's in the summary, mate.
0: Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about, though, you obviously, um, in at that time of, of being a youngster, you were quite keen to work and make a quid. So was that how you sort of thought, well, that's how I'm going to get ahead in life, is work hard no, here?
1: Doesn't. Absolutely. There's no question about it. As I, was, I was, thank God I ran into the burning out, and he taught me, gave me a work ethic, and kicked me from being a mug, and I could have ended up anywhere, and uh, just one of those great opportunities in life, and... Uh, I've got to say on reflection, hard work has probably never been a problem for me and I've always used that as a, a basis for my kids. My kids got a work ethic and it's all, as a father I'm very happy with that and that's just what you've got to do and um, through necessity, no family, no education, 14 and a half each hike into North Queensland, uh, you know, you learn to survive pretty quick, mm. et cetera and um, so yeah, work ethic, very important and uh, I'll be working all my life so to speak. So, we'll continue I guess
0: yeah so you mentioned Bernie obviously so you were at that age so that was at the Texas Tavern and the Bourbon and Beefsteak which yeah, I, I read yeah, about yeah. last night uh, four, yep. some 14 16 hour days um, and you were what the, the busboy the waiter and then you worked behind the bar and then That's the right. the Texas Tavern had a. I didn't realise it had hotel rooms there was a, a stack of hotel rooms there and there were a lot of Americans in town because of the Vietnam um, War at the time and it was quite popular, so you would have you did it, you you would have had to grow up pretty quick, like you said. Well,
1: it was a definitely an eye-opener, and it was just, just constant action, and uh, we'd, we'd go weeks and weeks and a day off, and, which was just a norm for us. It was all happening, and yes, uh, we basically got established through the Vietnam War, and uh, it's quite often, I was even in the bush there on the weekend, like saying, oh, no, I'm, oh, Texas Tavern, mate, remember they got old days? I'm going, yeah, not many of us left, but... There's a few blokes who do remember it, and uh, it was a very, very popular place for the, uh, particularly the Harold Trott boys on Friday night. But that, that you mightn't see them for a couple of weeks, and then out they'd come, and Dougie Forbes and some of the big punters of the day, they'd all come up, and Henry Noonan's and all those type of blokes. And yeah, so I was never far away from the punter or adventure, or et cetera. And I guess that's why I've always been a punter, you know, but I was always, always a punter, but. At the end of the day, plenty of influences in the early days.
0: Mm. You're forging this career. You're obviously listening to Bernie and you're growing up and we're chatting with Max Whippitt this morning on Monday's Experts. Tell us your first memory of a horse. Were you, you, had you always, I mean, when I say horse, I mean mean horse racing. Yeah, Yeah, I was never
1: far from, I always had, basically I had horses in the early 70s, I guess. I actually saw him on the weekend at Scone. Uh, Kenny Lantry trained my first horse. Great man, Kenny. And uh, we just laughed about the good old days a couple of days ago. So I've never been far away. Um, obviously, I've been in the stock market for many, many years. And uh, I went broke in, 80, in the famous stock market crash of '87. Uh, and the uh, first thing I did when I got going again was buy a horse and a beautiful lake wife. And I said, What are you doing? I said, oh, I gotta, you know. We went somewhere before. We just screwed up last time. But anyway, that was the first thing we did. And. Uh, Got back in the horse business in the, you know, pretty strong in the late 80s.
0: What's it about the animal that you, you love?
1: Savo Bill. Hmm.
0: Apart from Isn't that. Yeah,
1: it's my first love. probably still <laughs> my last love, you know, from my...
0: But what, perspective. what was it about the horses? What, what was it about? Because, I mean, you, you, you could have gone any way. I mean, we see young blokes these days. They Some go and buy boats. Some go and buy fancy cars or want to do this or do that. And you get those others that, that want to get involved with racing and buy horses. Why did you want to buy horses? Why, what was it about the horse that you loved?
1: You know, it's, it's a fair question, mate. I, I don't know. I've never been in the boats. I've obviously been in houses. But, you know, boats, uh, you know, the old classic story, Best one's your mate's boat and all that sort of business. But the fact is that uh, when you've got race horses in your life, it sort of compels you. But, you know, that I think it's the adrenaline, mate. You know, the stock market gives you the adrenaline. The cross gave you the adrenaline. Working nights in nightclubs gave you the adrenaline. So, has <laughs> been an adrenaline-fueled world, I suppose, mate. And i just get that same buzz out of horses, you know?
0: Yeah. How did you get involved with
1: uh, just Roggie, Graham Rodson first came to town... It's, some say it was a great day and some say it was a bad day, but uh, love him or leave him. But, uh, yeah, we just... Uh, I've got an old lawyer mate of mine, Nolly Brax, quite an active man in racing at the time. He said, oh, I'll meet this mate of ours from New Zealand, and it was a faithful day. And then uh, we mucked around for a while, and pretty early in the piece, we, we said, let's have a look at this bloke at stallion called Savaville. And I always liked the Kiwi staying sort of mentality, and, uh, and he was a big noise, Roger, when he came to town. Uh, so anyway, that's how it was. I ended up I probably had fifty, sixty horses Roger, at one stage. Yep. And Saverville popped out and uh I'll never forget it, eleven hundred meters, bog track, ten rated right to ten, I guess, at Ramick, Maiden. He just come out and he's gone whack and we thought it was twenty five to one. We had a little bit of a drink and uh what have we got here? And the story continues to this day. He's twenty one last year and uh what I don't have to explain
0: the success of Sabbath Bill. No, I mean the horses you'd had before him. Obviously, you'd had you'd had wins here and there, but was he by far and away? And he probably, you know, you talk about the love you've got for him. But mm. what was it like having that feeling of okay, we're not just winning, you know, a maiden here, maybe pulling off a sting. We've actually got something yeah. that can gallop.
1: Oh, again, in all fairness, I didn't really appreciate the significance of it and then with the journey started and kept coming and kept going and kept going and we went to great uh it was a you know the year he won the cox play was a great year because graham changed a thing called uh the one that called Phil guineas um it was a pain ass of a horse i can't remember which name. didn't do anything after that but uh, we had a we, it there was a fat year and uh i don't think i wrote a check for about five years which which made you just keep buying horses because you didn't you didn't think it was all going to end so <laughs> i can guarantee it does <laughs> sudden stop sometimes, but uh, no, that was just sort of how it all started and it was just a good, you know, continuation and you know, what can I say? You, you never think of as a punter or as an only, and everything's gonna end. You think the next one's just around the corner. But it's a long time between drinks between a Sabule and the next good horse, so to speak, you know.
0: We're chatting with Max Whippy this morning. Max, I've had this conversation with you up at Mudgie a couple of years ago about a, <clears> a beautiful <throat> filly now, mare You've got we well, you had called Scarlet Lady. I think you've still got have you still got Oh, yeah, she still
1: Scarlet. Yeah. yeah, she's still uh, with us at Kitchen Hills, and uh, unfortunately, she's only she only had one uh, one foal and uh, or two foals, and she's been dry for about five years. So yeah. we have just about given up on her.
0: Okay. she'll be
1: always in pride of place. So because
0: uh, she was that's by another
1: story in racing.
0: Yeah, she was by Savabeel, and the the story I had about um, her with you was obviously trained by um, Rogie. But me growing up in Queensland, going to the races with Grandad. I remember seeing this Scarlet Lady appear on the scene over there. I and mean, we've always got to respect the Kiwis when they take horses to that went a carnival. But it was the first time we'd sort of really laid eyes on this young bloke called James MacDonald. Tell us a little bit about the Scarlet Lady but, story and the J-Mac story.
1: Yeah, well, I knew James's mother and uh, in New Zealand and he was just obviously a lad. And uh, Roger had a lot to do with his career steering him and he encouraged him to come across. And uh, we got him his first... Couple of nights accommodation at Roma. It's a funny story too, but leave that him to tell you one day. And uh, <laughs> his mum said, "Look after him, man, He's got to go to track." I said, "Well, so I rang my secretary. She did all that, and she looks after everybody in my life, so to speak." Anyway, he uh, he went on and on and on and on. And uh, I I rated. I think his first two group ones. I had the pleasure of being associated with him, but he had a great relationship with the horse. And uh, when when the Queensland Oaks, like a bloody good thing. And uh, um. The race caller mucked up his name on the straight. Um, that's another story. But uh, yeah, it was James McDonald, Scarlet Lady. Great memories. Great yeah. memories.
0: Really good memories. What would be your best memory of a racetrack? Is it that day at the Cox Plate?
1: I oh, no doubt about mate. You yeah. know, I've, I've had a few things. Well, I was I, I went fortunate enough to go to the thriller in Manila in '75, and I thought that was the highlight of my sporting uh, witnesses, so to speak. And, when I won the cox play, I just had to push that down a touch. It went to the top, you know. Yeah. From the experience,
0: what was the feeling? What, what, what can you can you describe that feeling, or you just can't? Uh, uh, mate, I just you know
1: it's just, I feel, it's obviously a favourite course of mine. I love the roar of the crowd and the thundering down the straight, and you can hear them coming on. And you know, they had the you know, the old tower, and you lost them for a second, and they come back out of the you know things like that. It was a, just a great thrill. Um, Expectations were reasonable. Muncie was very bullish. Uh, he just when he hit the front, it was just it was a thrill. And uh, what can I say? It's just just the highlighters. I got one of those tapes that you can play the play the recording as it raced down the it straight. It's quite. Like I front changed the batteries about seven hundred times, but you know, the black and white TV, I suppose. <laughs> so to
0: speak. M- what about the weekend, Max? Or I should say Friday. I mean, we we saw obviously. Commando Hunt win that Scone Cup, and I asked you after the race, I said, is that your first Scone Cup? You said, yeah, I've, I've run second and third a few times, but what I loved about your interview with Greg Radley afterwards was you obviously were, you know, thrilled to get the win, thrilled for Cameron Crockett, but you were thrilled that you could do it with a couple of really good mates.
1: Yeah, Desi Kenny, the Mayor of Mudgee, is a champion bloke and a great mate of mine, and Brian Rudder, who's a bloody, equally a great champion and good buddies, and you know, in the bush particularly, you like winning and you like winning anything but um, in life. But uh, to do it with your buddies, it was a lot of fun and Brian particularly had a lot of fun on Saturday. I think he pinched, picked the trophy up at the 50 metres and took yeah, off. He
0: did. I saw that vision. He's running <laughs> around. Oh. So I think,
1: anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun and just been a good time. It was a big fortnight for me because we'd been to the Archer and yeah, Desi and I have been up there and then we're down to bloody uh, Wagga and doing our thing down there in the Calcutta and then up to bloody Scone and doing our thing. So I've come back to the coast last night. I'm absolutely stuffed. So it'll be, uh, be, be an easy couple of days coming up. But, uh, yeah, the race with your makes you know, it's like, Dave, it's just what it's all about, mate.
0: It certainly is. And one thing, too, um, you mentioned, you know, it's good to win anywhere, but and you mentioned the archer that's one thing that you've done max uh, mm. in your business you, the everest came along you jumped straight at the opportunity you invested there i think what 1.8 straight away to have the slot um, and we're not going we won't bring up that first year or that second year i think it was the first year but then first year, the archer yeah. comes along um, did you think about getting involved with the quacker? Like, was there an option? Yeah, or-
1: just—you wouldn't believe—it got under my guard. To be quite honest We know it's been doing since pretty. I've got four or five businesses, and I was a bit busy, and it went just straight through the keeper. I would have definitely been involved if I could. Yeah. But the archer, they just rang me. and Said, "Oh, can you show us how you did it down there?" I said, well, "It's not that hard. This is the way you go." And uh, we just did it uh, pretty quickly. And it was middle of COVID, uh, so I couldn't get up there and. Uh, Wayne Bennett, who was coaching South, I forged a good relationship with him, and he was back on the farm. I said, oh, mate, you do me a favour, would you go up and represent me? He went, what for? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, mate, I'll just be my ambassador, so to speak. And so uh, he said, oh, get me up there and back on the same day. I said, I'll get that happen for you, mate. And a couple of days later, he rings me back and goes, oh, it's a feeder club for the Dolphins. I'll not stay a few days. I said, sweet. <laughs> So that went good, and I think what they've done particularly good up there, Dave, as think from the is they um, they sold eleven and they auction one off every year. So the twelfth horse goes to auction. Yep. So the first year was five hundred. This year was seven seventy-five, and it went from thirty-five a year. to fifty. No one balked at that, and they're talking a million dollars next year. And the auctioned horse first year went for fifty, basis thirty-five, as I say, and this year went for a hundred, basis fifty. So. It's on the up, and those big cattle guys up there said, "Oh, we better have a look at this." And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a race that, you know, of, the, of our times coming forward. Mate. Yeah, no. another big straight.
0: It's good, and then the form to come out of those races has been exceptional. What do you think yeah, it absolutely. is about these slot races that's so appealing?
1: Well, I just think, it's a, Peter Blaine is typical mate. It's a wake-up call, and it makes people go, "Hang on, this is a there's a pool, and there is a dissipation, and Pete's all about selling the product, and uh, that's what it is. And even those guys up there. As I said, the cattle guy up there, far and wide, the town's filling up now. You know, they've come in for the race. Yeah. So, and it's not so much the money, it's just the status for the area and things like that. And you pick your right place, I think it works, mate.
0: Exactly. And the
1: Quaker, of course, is, a, is now going to be, you know, a significant lead-up race to uh, the Everest. Yep. They f- fell in, and um, I said, oh, he's not on my radar, but after Saturday, they could be on my radar. Yeah. The performance in the 10,000.
0: Well, that that form does stack up, but that, that mate. when will you um, make that sort of decision uh, for an Everest? And and I guess how do you, how's the process? Do you start with a whole big group of horses? Do you have a team that you work with to analyze all their form and data? How does it how does it work? Look,
1: yeah, well, I've got one of my great great lifetime friends, a guy called Paul Manning, does all the form for me, and he uh, he's always on the job for me. But I've been trying to do a deal for this part of two months already, and. Um, uh, to no avail, but we're shipping away, and we've got two or three on the radar. And uh, one falls over, you've got to throw another one up. Like, you can't go to uh, last year's winner because he's a lovely young bloke. And I, I knew James to be straight onto it again. So, you just work around those fellas. And uh, we tried pretty hard. Zachy gave me a call, for there's a big chance of that lucky yes, he was out of um, Hong Kong, and they decided to stay up there. They don't like to travel, apparently. So that one's the second line's out, and uh, you've got to start going down the track a little bit. But as I said just this morning, when you have another look at uh, overpass on uh, on Saturday in the ten thousand, you might have to have another look at a horse like that. But yeah. we've got our eye on the fire, and uh, we just got to keep moving forward, mate. You know, early first couple of years I went early to bang while I crash, and that, that worked out pretty well. And then. Things are, you know, it's typical horse selection. mate. A lot of things go wrong between, you know, April and October. So you just got to do your best, mate, you know. Exactly. Try and strike a deal, lock it in, and away you go, you know.
0: I love what they've done with the arch of being in Rockhampton, you know, that, that sort of country Queensland flavour. Would you love to see, and do you think there's an there's an appetite for it somewhere in country New South Wales, a major centre well, hosting I wouldn't, a big be, race? I
1: wouldn't, Mate, I wouldn't be surprised it comes up. But then Pete's got enough going on with enough, yeah. you know, with highways and midways and... Qualifiers and country cups and all that. You know, I think there's probably enough on the on the on the space. You probably need to look at the the Mexicans and see where they come up with. They usually, you know, Peter to lose them in their dust, as we all know. And you know, they might have to struggle to to find somewhere like you know down there that way. What's the it's one? Somewhere of... like Tassie might be the place. Yeah, like, you know, a little Just... bit. The Kiwis are a bit. You know, I love the Kiwis, but they're a bit slow on everything when it comes to the punt and the gaming and all the rest <laughs> of it. So. I think there are I think you go wider you go the more interest you get, mate, so to speak.
0: What about the what's the one race you want to win? That you haven't won. Well
1: well I've won a couple. I've had a lot of luck. Um uh, there's always a the Grafton Cup of course and we won that. Um oh Melbourne Cup I've never never really been on the space. I suppose the yeah. Derby. Yeah, the Derby be obviously I should I should have jumped on that pretty quick. Yeah, the A.C. Derby ran second with Bill. He got you know knocked off by a, a red hot thing that never raced again. But we won't talk about that on the radio. <laughs> um, and move on. So the Derby's probably the one, mate. You know, on the big screen, on the big. You know, I've never had ambitions for the Melbourne Cup. You don't, you know, unless you're Lloyd Williams and have a throw about 50 darts at it. Yeah,
0: know? I just got a text from one of your good mates, Des. He said, "What about the big dance?" What about the big <laughs> Yes, there's
1: the big dance, mate. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I think we've got two shots at it now because we've got this bloke Mark, on Saturday. he gave us Friday he gives us two. We're a moral to get in. That was uh, Commando.
0: Yeah.
1: There's he, one, you know, one of the great things he does, other than being a good mayor, he worries about his constituents. But he loves the rain. He does war dances all the time. Commando loves, loves the rain. Well, I tell you, track, and he, he didn't I, get it. to so you he might have found both surfaces. No feather in our gap. You, you know, know
0: what? I said that to Cameron and I even said that, I think, to you. I said we all thought he was a good wet tracker but mm. that was a hard surface on Friday so, yeah. you know, he's, he's and he's, he's had that electric turn of foot on it.
1: That's right. Yeah, he's really, the horse was, you know, I'd, from the punt, I'd give him up about three races. I said, oh, bugger, he's unbackable and I told Brian and Desi and they sort of, we all concurred and then uh, he, he got a chiropractor on him and uh, got him right bloody guys got him right in the last last run up at 10. I said, oh, he's got my confidence again. And bang, it was uh, he's done a good job, that young Cameron. You know, for a country trainer, he's got good stock and he's a decent young bloke and he communicates well and probably too well actually between you and the public. But he's, a you know, he tries like buggery and uh, I wouldn't hesitate giving him a horse, mate.
0: What, do you have a particular format when you're having a punt or do you just, just like, just like all of us out there, you just... You have a bet. I know, obviously, you probably bet in different sizes sometimes, yeah. but, I mean, yeah. you know, you get some people that go, oh, I'll, I'll bet each way, or I love betting the place. Are you just straight on the nose? No, no, you I, I, win,
1: I mate, you know, After 50 years of gambling, I've got every 9 million combinations, but uh, probably the consistent one. I was like, Nick, my old Nick Moratus told me 100 years ago, he said, i have a little bit in the front and a lot in the back, so I always do it. You know, my bets might be, I'll just use the figure of one and say three, so... Yep. Or you might have three B seven. That's that's you know that kind of thing. So, that's yep. a it's not a bad model. Not a bad model. Yeah. But I don't you know I don't usually back favourites. I don't back shorties. Uh, if I do, if I do, you know it's got to be pretty strong and obviously the win. Um, hardly ever back my own horses. Put them in Quinellas. If you race for prize money, that's sort of an old mugs formula of mine and. Yeah, but consistently, you know, a little bit in the front, big on the back. That's why I bet.
0: What about superstitions? Any superstitions? Uh, Do you know?
1: Yeah, got to, you wouldn't. Most blokes wouldn't think I'm super. I'm very superstitious, actually. I don't know about inside. I come from trading floor futures exchange, mate. You used to wear your socks inside out and your ownies inside out just to have a winning day and stuff like that. But on the punt, not really. I just, you know, I... Love the jockeys. Wet, track conditions are important. Barriers are important. Weights are important. I just try and throw it all into the mix days, you know. Mm.
0: Now, I know you, you can't you, well, you, you can't have sort of favourites, and this isn't me wanting you to have a favourite, but who in your mind is the the best jockey you've seen and the best trainer you've ever
1: seen? Uh, no, James McDonald. Yep. You know, placed by Huey, of course, and then the, the Dittmans. I saw the Dittmans and the Beedmans. I've been around a while, mate, so I've seen a lot of... A lot yeah. of good uh, jockeys, trainer wise. I never had much to do with Bart or T- TJ. Um, Chris Wallace, probably, absolutely, probably the best you've ever seen. Systems, communication, decency, quality right across the board. John O'Shea, strong, young, you know, happy in his work, <laughs> so to speak.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, um, Graham Rogers, and I can't ever take it any away from Graham. You know, we had great success and et cetera. So, uh, you know, Peter Cook, I saw him early days, um, but it was a good story. Come back last week in Wagga. It's Danny
0: Beasley. had not seen him
1: for twenty two years or some bloody thing. And there he comes out. He's riding like he was eighteen year old
0: again. Yeah, How about that extraordinary down there in Wagga. Yeah, that's it. And what about the future of racing? Where do you see racing going, Maxie? Um, do we need to continue to keep doing what we're doing with these Everest's and? And whatnot, yeah. um, and I guess you're up at the Gold Coast. I know, obviously, um, you know New South Wales. They're possibly going to put lights in one day at Ramwick, but I think that um, that precinct they're building there at the Gold Coast. I know the TAB's heavily involved. It's going to be great. That's going to, to be huge.
1: In there, mate. Too, he's pinched him off the ATC to come on up, and for he's doing a great job. I think it's going to be a fantastic complex. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, Living here is one thing, but I've still got, obviously, family and grandkids and everything in Sydney, so I'm down, I think we've been back 26 times since November, so that gives you an indication. I won't be far off the pace in Sydney, but, um, look, never a better time to be racing, David. The money's good. And, you know, I think um, I just signed up... David Boone the other day. Sorry, mate, I'm just doing something to stop, mate. Um, you know, Dave. It's just a very good time to be... Um, in racing, and I think uh, prize money's good. The uh, quality of stock's up. Uh, sales are good. You know, I don't know. I just, I'm happy to be in it, mate. I'm, you've got to reinvest. That's the only thing I say. And used to go and buy a course for a couple of hundred, or 150, now you've got to look at everything. It's got a four or 500 on it. And it's, so it's expensive to race. But I suppose that just is commensurate with the prize money, mate. You know, mm. uh, Peter gets heaps of, heaps of accolades, and they're all deserved. Well, Andy's... Um, you know, he uh, just goes from strength to strength and uh, there's a lot of doubt as he could handle two jobs. He seems to be doing both jobs brilliantly, you know. And he doesn't let anything get underneath him. He just says he's right on top of it. So I don't see it going backwards or sideways. I think it just keeps going upwards, you know. The strong story is Everest could be 20 sooner than you think.
0: Before That's I let, a lot of money. Before I let you go, uh, when, yeah. when do you sleep, Max? Because I've spoken to a few of your mates at Mudgee. <laughs> And dead set, you say, "Oh, I'm off, I'm off," you know, finish the Calcutta, but then you'll go upstairs and trade obviously...
1: soya beans till four in the morning. Yeah, you trade some oil at six in the morning. That's yeah, what I mean, like,
0: when do you sleep, mate? Well, I started
1: work at nights, working nights, even in the bush. I was stripping wheat as a kid, and then I uh, went to the city and washing dishes at night, and been in nightclubs, and now business businesses, a twenty-four hour, six day a week business. So, uh, what can I say? <laughs> you grab yeah. a couple here when you can, mate. Yeah, sometimes it makes you a bit up, you know, blokes like Brian and Des, they're pretty uptight blokes. I'm pretty relaxed, so I don't know. (laughs) Very good. and They tolerate me. That's good.
0: Last but not least, and I think this will be, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say here. What would you say to a young 17-year-old Max Whitby if he was standing in front of you right now? What advice would you give him? Uh,
1: Mate, just get someone that can keep you out of trouble. That's the first thing, you know. But, you know, respect your elders. Work hard. Work, work, work. That's all you can do. And luck comes with you most of the time. You know, I, I can't say that I've had nothing but luck in my life, mate. Started out a bit rough, but it's coming on with a rocket now. So out work standard. hard. Look work for- hard, play hard too, I might add. Yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> right. I look forward to seeing you at the Big Dance, mate, and other races. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, mate. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks, Jimmy. Good on you, mate. Cheerio.
0: Max Whitby there, our Monday's experts on this Monday, the 15th of May.